Monday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. Folks, it's been a while. It's been a whole week. And on the last show, Jake and I couched almost everything we said with, well, let's see what happens in a week. Let's see what the Ducks do. This whole conversation could change. Everything could be null and void. And as it turns out, we didn't need to do that, Jake, because the Ducks did almost nothing, almost almost absolutely nothing in the week that has gone by. Your wait, thoughts? wait. So you're telling me that uh, Brogan Rafferty, is that, <laughs> I knew, wait, is I, that his name? I, I, I can't remember that. his name. Uh, I swear, I I, okay. I know John's going to come at me saying that he was a great AHLer. And yeah, he's that, 26. That, and he's, he's, never, he's never been a that, consistent NH, NHLer. Fantastic, fantastic. Good depth for, for the goals. But to see Brogan Rafferty as someone that the that is being reported as signed with the team just kind of made me chuckle to myself. That's true. That's true. I should I should uh, write a formal apology to Greg Patteron. Uh, to Greg Patteron's actually an NHLer though, or was uh, an NHLer? Kinda. And Buddy Robinson. Let's not forget Buddy Robinson and Danny O'Regan. Yeah. So the you know there, things have happened, but we were talking about significant things, and with all due respect. <laughs> I'm not going to put uh, AHL roster moves as in the significant category. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that, th- I think that's where we should just start with this show first. I mean, let's talk about the one big thing that did happen is that Ryan gets after a little public, I don't want to call it jousting, but there was, there was some pressure that was being put on the ducks organization reports that they were far apart from Shane O'Brien. Then it was announced by Kevin weeks that, that he had resigned and then Jane O'Brien saying fake news and just all this kind of back and forth. Ryan gets well, going on a, going on a podcast to say that he was open to free agency. It really felt like Ryan Getzlaff was kind of playing the game, so to speak, but he is back with the ducks for another year, 3 million cap hit. And yeah, he, he even, and what, what was funny to me, I'm sorry. I'm just, I have no, a go, lot on my mind. Go for it. You have a lot more in your mind about all this than I do. Well, so you, well, you can, you can just go with it. What cracked me up about Getzlaff is that he said, I ended up where I wanted to be all along. So if we take that at face value, if we assume that that is true, then why was he open to fielding other offers? Why was he going down this rabbit hole? Why did any of that happen if he only wanted to be in Anaheim all along? And that was kind of funny is that when reporters were asking him about kind of the process, he was giving these kind of vague answers about it was something I never experienced and I want to be able to help the next person that goes through this and it was just a nice kind of way of avoiding saying yeah I was just trying to get as many offers as I could to put as much squeeze on the ducks as I can to get the most money possible and you know what I have all the respect in the world for that play play the game right get oh yeah Ryan Getzlaff has earned has earned the the right to do that he's he he's you know earned every penny with the ducks in all his years. So I have no issue with that, but I just thought it was funny. Kind of like the, the public explanation for all of this. Oh, Oh yeah. I will say this. It was kind of funny. Cause I think, what was it? When you and I last recorded, we hit the last piece of information. There was like some fault, some back and forth with like Shane O'Brien, different people saying that, uh, Ryan Getzloff might not return. And then Elliot Tiford said, actually we've heard their agents are talking. It's not as if this is that big of a deal. And then the next day, Getzloff went on like uh, on a podcast. podcast. What was it like? Can't like I can't remember. It's a, it's a former Blues and, and a Blues writer. What and basically like sold the fact that he was looking to go elsewhere. Yeah, and exactly. and, and and it was really funny because it really was like you and I were sitting there. and It's like shit. How much misinformation did we just put out yesterday? With now Getzloff, the man himself, 
saying exactly like kind of the opposite of what we were thinking. I mean, at the end of the day, it ended up not really being the case and kind of in Getzloff in his interview basically said, he's like, at the end of the day, I was outvoted a little bit here. There's more than just me making this decision. So that kind of leads me to believe that you're kind of on the right path there of, it feels like this was a little bit of smoke and mirrors by him of his, of him maybe trying to get as much money as possible from the ducks and maybe Bob Murray trying to squeeze him a little bit, which to me is a little bit frustrating, especially. I think that that's what led to all of this. Yeah. And and this is pure speculation by the way, but it feels like if the ducks make, gets the offer he wants up front or an offer that he's like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to look elsewhere. Then none of this happens. But yeah. Yeah. Cause they could have made it. They could have come to an agreement on this exact deal. If this is what he wanted right after the expansion draft. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they waited and waited and waited and Getzloff was uh, like, screw it. I want to see what UFA is. And I mean, he could be right. Like we could take him at face value. Like that's not saying that what he's saying is all a facade that it's all this different type of stuff. He probably just wanted to hear how free agency goes also. Cause mm-hmm. he's never been through that in his career. He's probably seen Corey Perry do it now a couple yep. times. He's like, yeah, let's see what this yeah, is all Corey about. Perry, by the way, two year deal with the lightning. Good so. for him. Also getting two years, really Great. happy for him. But Getzloff was really, really good this past year for the Ducks. Uh, like, I, I probably shouldn't go that far with it, but he was good for the Ducks. He was good offensively, good defensively. There just wasn't wasn't really shooting talent around him this past year. And now, granted, that's probably going to be the case again this year, but if guys could somehow finish when they're on a line with him, then you'll see him put up some points this year. And I think that while it may be a little bit higher in terms of overall salary um, than you would want with it being, what, four and a half mil overall, Mm-hmm. If he but is 1.5 million. That's bonus. the key thing with this contract is there because it's an over 35 deal. And it, so he signed for a one year deal, at a $3 million AAV with a one and a half million dollar uh, performance bonus bonus related to games played. Cap friendly was the one who reported the games played bonus. Uh, I have not been able to see neither of you what the actual games played number is, but basically the way that it works is once gets off plays a certain amount of games, he'll get the additional $1.5 million. Um, and the way it works is you'll see on cap friendly, he's only listed a $3 million cap hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's due to the fact that he has not gotten that bonus yet once. And the interesting thing about bonuses, and this is really in the weeds on the cap, but that's what I'm here for. Um, is if he, if he gets it and the ducks are at or above the cap, it will not be applied to this year's cap. It will be charged to next year's as an overage. So no matter what, they'll be cap compliant with him at three million. And it's just whether or not that extra one and a half mil will be charged this year, or if it will be charged to next year's cap. And yeah. at the end of the day, here's where I'm at with this contract. Even at four and a half mil, he's gonna be fine. Maybe he won't produce as much as you want at that cap hit, but if the Ducks move out and Adam Henrique, which it seems like there's some want to do, but from the Ducks, there's some chatter that that might happen. This becomes less likely to even matter in terms of overall cap. The Ducks are going to have plenty of cap space to work with. And I've said this about a lot of contracts, especially guys once they hit UFA status and once they get past their 30s. It's not really ever the the cap hit that kills you. It's usually the term. Yeah. Even lower cap hit guys, it's the term that will kill you. I mean, think about Clayton Stoner on the Ducks. He got four years, four mil, right? And it was that last year, the last couple of years that killed them. Yep. Like that's that's what caused a lot of things. Yeah, and so <laughs> it's never a one year deal is never really going to hurt you that much, to be honest. And so, and here's the thing, and I think Getzloff has a no movement clause with it, right? But yeah. if it comes to a situation where he gets the thousand points in a duck sweater and he wants to go chase a cup, 
They can move him at the deadline and someone will take him and they can re- uh, retain salary to get something back. Like Ryan gets off at what? One and a half million dollar cap mm-hmm. cap hit basically. Mm-hmm. Like that's a great deal for a team. So by the way, the Clayton Stoner contract was four years, 13 million. How, so a little over four. How did that ever happen? He was at 3.25 cap hit. Oh, three point. Eight, sorry. 3.25. Sorry. Yeah. How did that ever happen? Oh man. I mean, do you oh, want? Do you hey, want to go hey, down hey, a wait? Wait, good wait, wait. For, good for Clayton Stoner to get the bag, but that 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 off season. Money. Sorry, we're just gonna backtrack here because you know that off season was one that was really twenty fourteen. Well, was the 20- that the same? That's the same summer they got Kessler. So that is the summer where, for like one shining day, they had like legit center depth on the team because they got Kessler. They still had Matthew Perot mm-hmm. and. Basically, they got Kessler, didn't qualify Matthew Perot, let him walk as an RFA because they didn't want to pay him what his qualifying offer would have been, I think is what it was. And then they end up going and signing Nate Thompson, who for all that he was, Matthew Perot was a better player. And then the Ducks also go and sign Clayton Stoner because of what he did with the Minnesota Wild against the St. Louis Blues in the prior playoffs. That's, like This sounds like such a Bob Murray offseason. Yeah. Just purely yeah. reactionary off of, off of the last year or whatever. Anyway, but yeah, that is an insane contract for Clayton Stoner. I mean, good for him. That's probably set him up for the rest of his life, but that's a, that's a hefty payday. Okay. Yeah. Totally in the weeds there, but I'm, I'm glad we, we went through that. So to kind of bring it back to Ryan Getzlaff, I think that it's good that the Ducks brought him back. I think that, look, this is a team that, despite everything it's said about being in a rebuild, retool, they want to be better next year. Whether that actually means to make the playoffs, I think they would welcome a playoff spot, but they want to be better. And it doesn't, you can't be there with their current center depth, with it, with all the centers that they have, which is something that I want to discuss with you as well. They're not better. They're not better off without Ryan Getzloff, despite the fact that he's 36, despite the fact that he is on the decline, he was still one of their best forwards last season. And I don't predict Sam Steele to take this giant leap forward. Um, I don't think that, you know, Adam Henrique right now, who knows if he'll even be on the team. Isaac Lindestrom, maybe he'll take another step. He probably will. But for the best version of this team for next season involves Ryan Getzlaff. And it's I think it's good that they brought him back for that specific purpose. And also, even if you're, if you're team tank, team rebuild, this doesn't really change that too much because Ryan Getzlaff, despite how, how much praise we've heaped on him, He's not this game breaker anymore either. No, he's, he's not gonna. He's not gonna he, tank your tank. He's a second second line slash third line center. That's yeah. what he is at this point. He's a middle six center, and that's totally fine. And at mm-hmm. three million on a team that's not seeming to be wanting to add salary right now, then that's that's completely fine. So yep, yeah. I mean, I'm a I, I'm a I've got nothing bad to say about the yeah. contract really. I, I really don't either. It's not going to be cost prohibit, prohibitive where it, it stops it, them from being able to do anything have, in the future. Would you have a different opinion if it was two years? Yes. I think that second year would be hard to swallow because he may legitimately take a huge nosedive. Yep. yep. You, just don't, you just don't know at, at his age. How Going year to year, know. especially with a guy like Getzloff, who's now in his upper 30s, he's 36 years old, um, it, it becomes tougher with, with guys like that once they get past 35. And you really got to be careful with giving them some term. And I think a guy like Getzloff kind of understands that. And you also don't know, honestly, how much how many more years he wants to play. And I think yeah. that that's part of the reason why one year. I mean, granted, I still think that with where the Ducks are at cap-wise, doing two years at three mil a year wouldn't be that big of a deal. 
no. overall in the grand scheme of things. So I don't, you, having you can, said you, that, you can nitpick it, but it's not the end of the world either. Exactly. You, I think that you can't really nitpick the one year you can nitpick the two years. And so, um, that, that's kind of where I'm, where I'm at, especially with the fact that the ducks really should be moving guys out and we'll get there also. But, mm-hmm. um, Real quick, I want to also mention that we had uh, Lewis X209 resub uh, at Tier 1 for 34 months. We've had uh, Literic Al, our good friend Bonnie, resubbed uh, for 34 months. And our good friend Jess from Beer League uh, yes. gifted out five Tier uh, five tier 1 subs. My so defense, thank you so much. Partner. Your defense partner. Yeah. Shutdown pairing, I think. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I don't want to see our, our, our shot differential. So I'm, <laughs> no, I'm okay with no. That. no one wants to track it. No shot, one wants to shot, track it. Shot quality, though, I think we're doing okay. Uh, okay, let's – Um, the other bit of news, which actually I think you pointed out today to me, is Ricard Raquel and the Ducks. Uh, yeah. We've been talking about this on 31 slash 32 thoughts. Yeah. With the fact that the Ducks have have made an offer to Raquel or, the, or, the, or that the ask for so, Raquel is too high. Yeah, so here's basically where it was at was that on 31 Thoughts the Pod slash, I guess, 30, I don't know if they've renamed the pod yet, but they called the episode 32 Thoughts. Basically, they ran through every single team and did a brief kind of uh, preview of the offseason for every single team and where they're at. And basically, I mean, just to give everyone the lowdown, Elliot Friedman, who's one of the most connected insiders, I would say, would you agree with this? Probably the top insider in hockey now. Yeah, like he's surpassed Bob McKenzie, he's surpassed Darren Drager, surpassed Pierre LeBron, surpassed everyone. Like he's yeah. the top, and so um, basically he came out and said that the Ducks are an interesting one where he sees them doing something. Um, they're kind of a team that is maybe waiting for for people not to be able to get the deal done, sign the guy that they wanted to, and they can kind of come in after the fact and, and get a deal done, and kind of they're just waiting in the wings almost. But he did mention that they. it is curious because the Ducks have a bunch of un, UFAs, pending UFAs next summer, and it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with those pending UFAs. And specifically mentioned Ricard Raquel and said he heard Ricard Raquel's name mentioned in kind of trade rumors over the last couple of weeks, mainly due to the fact that the Ducks had discussed an extension with him and weren't really too happy with the, the contract that Raquel wanted um, mm-hmm. as an extension. And so before we kind of get into... The, he even said a little bit more there, but before we get into more, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? My first impression to that is that when I first, when I saw you, when you texted me that this morning, I was just, my first reaction was just, why are they even talking about an extension? It, it just, why are they even? Wait, I got to ask you a quick question here. Did you uh-huh. tweet that out without actually even listening to the episode? Oh, I listened. I always do my due diligence. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. Um, <laughs> May or may not be true, but the point is, I, I I read what you said and I thought, why are they even discussing an extension? Like that just doesn't doesn't do anything for anyone. They just need to be trading him. That's that's the end of story. Now having having let it digest in my mind a little bit for the the rest of the day, I think okay, there's nothing wrong with doing your due diligence, finding what the number is, and just kind of you have more information now at your disposal. At the end of the day, though, I just find it kind of interesting, and I'm sure that it's probably standard practice in the league to just have these conversations, these preliminary yeah. discussions, and just see where things are at. Um, but I still think that ha- by having the discussion, you're, it's, it just seems to me that you're still open to the possibility of actually signing that extension. I feel like those those two things are hard to separate, and maybe they can be separated, and, may- and maybe these con- these conversations were just purely preliminary. Now, one thing I will point to is that 
okay, well, so they're talking, they're, the report is that the ask is too high and that's what's maybe spurring these conversations. So if Ricard Raquel's, if, we're t- if we take the, the inverse, if Ricard Raquel's asks were not too high, would the Ducks be working towards an extension? Like, would they actually be moving mm-hmm. to the trade direction? So there's still a lot of questions that I have from all of that. And it, it does leave me wondering just kind of what this well, yeah. office is actually doing. I mean, it, it's like what we've talked about in the past of like, is there a plan? What's the plan? Where is this going? Because all signs point towards this team needing to get younger. And it felt like Bob Murray finally admitted that. Yet you've got a, how old is Ricardo Kell now? 28 years old. A 28-year-old player that's going to be an unrestricted free agent. And you're looking to sign him to probably, what, a six, seven-year extension? I mean, looking at what the market was, probably at, at what, six, seven mil? Mm-hmm. Would yeah. you say, like, what do you think Ricardo Raquel gets on the open market? Oh, God. Well, I mean, it's the most... He's not a defenseman, so we can rule out nine. Uh, he probably would, gets six six years is what I would think. Yeah, six by six, six and a half by six. Somewhere yeah. in that vicinity. And I, like, don't, I don't think he gets to seven. And I've been a huge Raquel, uh, Raquel defender over the last couple of years, but... Well, look, that's... Philip Dano just got five and a half. Ricard, yeah. Ricard Raquel outscores him. It doesn't have the defensive reputation, but I would say he's he's above six. Well, he has a 30-goal history, and I think that yeah. that's a big thing when it comes to these teams contract negotiations. Yeah, teams will definitely pay. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that you don't want to lock yourself in. I mean, look at how difficult it's been with Adam Henrique. And you could make the argument back then, and, and sure, like contracts have definitely gone up since the Ducks signed that, which is why I'd say it's probably six times six as compared to Henrique's five times 5.825 but I mean we're in year three of that and the Ducks are looking to move it and and this mm-hmm. has been my big conversation with all of this is like look at the Silverberg deal look at the Henrique deal look at these deals that yeah, are not down like they're, they're not looking great at this point in time and yet you're you're willing to like sign that same type of deal like it, it's just it, it just feels as if it there's there's conflicting messages coming out of the organization I think that's what's tough and I mean maybe it is a situation like you said of they're just gathering information and it could be the Jeff Solomon effect of wanting to get as much information as possible. And Elliot Friedman even mentioned that where basically Jeff Merrick asked him about trading the Kessler contract and whether the Ducks would be open to doing that. And basically, why why are people so fixated on that? I have no idea because I don't understand what it really does because it's not as if here's the thing with that contract. I believe it was Frank Cervelli reported this. I think it was someone reported that basically like 75% of that contract is insured and covered by insurance. So the ducks aren't really actually paying that much money. Yeah. And so with that, the only way that that would make sense is if it was a situation where, um, for instance, uh, it was like Brent Seabrook going to Tampa where you took a guy with salary back. Mm-hmm. And then you replace that salary with Kessler because they could use LTIR. But that's a very niche situation. And the, duck, that, the Ducks are not there. No. They, they it, just aren't. No. And, but, I mean, they did mention that basically the Ducks are willing to to think about things differently now. And willing to think with Jeff Solomon there. And so, I mean, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. I, I, mean, I guess I'm at the point where I'll believe it when I see it type of deal with this Ducks organization. And if they're actually willing to think about things differently, I really hope for our sake, for their sake, that Jeff Solomon really gets more influence and potentially is able to um, add more information there. But yeah. Well, my other kind of objection to this report is that if if the Ducks had made the decision that they are going to trade Ricard Raquel, then these conversations wouldn't be happening. Like if they had already decided that, which is what they should have decided months ago at the trade deadline, then you're not even bothering with this conversation. I don't think. I, yeah. I don't know. I've never run an well, NHL front office, but I feel like 
what's even the point if you're just shopping the guy so, and just trying to get a deal done? Here's a question from the Twitch chat from Heyo Flow. It's on topic, so I want to bring it up now. Is it possible a Lindholm or Raquel extension would be more palatable given that they would be given out in com- combination with the emergence of the young core, which will be primar- primarily RFAs? So I think that those guys have the possibility of aging okay. But I think that where the Ducks are at right now, they just need a clean slate. They just need to clean clean the books and moving forward have as much flexibility as possible. So I don't even think it's that difficult. I think what it simply is is that the Ducks need to reset. I mean, it is that, but they need to reset the roster and they need to yeah. uh, they need to essentially have any tradable asset, move that asset out. And I've yeah. said this about so many guys. If you want to re-sign them, well, fine. Well, Go ahead and go ahead and do it once they become UFA. Well, well, that's the thing I also want to point out is that, sure, you can make the argument of keeping them and to potentially help the future roster. But a, you don't really know what that future roster is going to look like, and b, by trading them, you recoup assets that will help that future roster probably more than an aging player on a on a big extension. And so, and, and here's so, the so there, there, there's an opportunity cost of keeping them. And here's the other thing is that let's say you do give them that contract now and you have your guys they're they're going well they're RFA so you're able to really control their costs different things like that first off you might end up with those guys getting disgruntled but who knows that that's neither here nor there if you have those guys then you cannot go out and trade for someone that really aligns with your contending window once you're in your window because you are now tied down to those cap hits of those guys in their 30s going for it whereas if you uh, trade them now, and yes, you have a lot of cap flexibility now, but then once the once the Zegrises, the Drysdales, once these guys are propelling you into your contending window, instead of being locked into these contracts for guys that are 30 yeah. plus years old that are potentially over the hill, and that's not necessarily saying that's where they'll be at, but it's uh, it's potentially part of where what the conversation. They, they won't you, be as good as they are now. Correct. You can go out and trade for a guy that is in his prime that's 26, 27 year old, 27 years old. You can and while I don't think this was a great trade, but if you are in your contending window, trading for Seth Jones isn't an awful decision. And you can make that type of deal to try to push your team over the hill. I mean, you're going to push back and I agree. Seth Jones not that great of a player, but my point here is that you can make a deal like that. Yeah, to, it gives it gives you the and, flexibility to help that roster in that moment. Give it yeah, what it needs. So. Exactly, exactly. And so you're able to really go out and do whatever you need. And, I mean, I look at the Leafs, and I know a lot of people will probably push back on this because the Leafs haven't won a round yet in the last five years, but they've built their team the right way. Mm-hmm. And they they really moved out their guys that were older. They moved the, the, out the, the – the Maple Leafs, by the way, getting Andre Kasha and Nick Ritchie. Yeah, but I they moved. It's going to be a package deal. They moved out Dion Phaneuf. They moved out Phil Kessel. They did all of that. And then essentially they had their guys, their young guys, start coming in, start uh, contending, and start really pushing for playoff spots. And then because they moved those guys out, they were able to go and sign a John Tavares. Now, maybe the Tavares deal doesn't look that great now, yeah. I mean, but you, they're you, able to do that because you moved out a guy like Kessel. You moved out a guy like a, a, a Dion Phaneuf. You did all those types of deals. Yeah, you, you can nitpick the Leafs to death, but yes, that, that core principle of the fact that they turned the page allowed them to redraw their team kind of around their star players. And that's, I think, what the Ducks need to do. And right now, they're at the very beginning of this. They're just now kind of accumulating those premium young assets like Jamie Drysdale, Trevor Zegras, and maybe we can even include Mason McTavish in that list. I think I'm pretty high on him. And so that's why you don't bring them back. That's why you move on. 
and and you're and you're accelerating your rebuild because now you have more picks. You potentially mm-hmm. have more prospects. Well, you you have more ammo. So it's kind of funny, and we'll get into some Eichel talk. I think actually, let's do it now. Oh, but dear. one of the things that that's being discussed is the Ducks are kind of maybe waiting until the the Eichel shoe to drop to make some deals because they want to be able to ha- yeah. see what they have. But you and I were actually texting about this today, um, and basically, the Ducks should be looking to make these deals still because. At the end of the day, the rumor is that Buffalo wants four first-round equivalent talent, right? They, they want players that equate to first-round picks. Mm-hmm. And if you go out and trade a guy like a Raquel and get a first, you trade a guy like a Josh Manson and get a first, you can then get that essentially that draft capital and flip that to Buffalo mm-hmm. or get, get a prospect that's of that caliber and flip them to Buffalo. And then yeah. you can do it. You can essentially trade for Eichel without losing any of McTavish Zegris or Drysdale. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and I think that that could be part of the reason that they've stood pat over the last week is that they're just, they're waiting for that. I mean, that situation is just getting more and more ridiculous with the statement from the agent, different things like that. But yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Do you want to go into our break and, and continue this conversation? Uh, We got about five minutes. So we five can, minutes? we five minutes. So we hit okay. the break. So the, the one thing I did want to, briefly discuss because i don't think we have we're gonna have a lot of time to talk about this but now with the fact that getzloff is back the ducks have a have a pretty significant log jam at center you have ryan getzloff adam henrique Derek grant sam Steele, isaac lindestrom trevor zegris like you have a lot of guys you have six centers for four spots and i don't know do like assuming that the ducks don't move anyone or that they don't move adam henrique specifically you're going to have two of those guys playing on the wing. And do you really want Adam Henrique playing on the wing? And now you're pushing out another winger, Sam Steele on the wing. Like what's your read on that situation? I think Adam Henrique is played his last game as the duck with the ducks. I would be shocked if he was back next season. I think that the ducks are really just trying to find any way to not have to retain the full 50% to get. I agree. And I think that that's why this is taking so long. Here's my sneaking suspicion of where he's going. Is, uh, is is he goes to the Islanders? You've been you've been pushing this. It well, first off, on um on thirty one thoughts, thirty two thoughts today, they were talking about the Islanders and the fact that basically Friedman thinks that uh Lou has a deal for Palmieri and Sezikis essentially already done, but he hasn't announced it, hasn't confirmed it yet because he doesn't want other teams to know what his cap situation is to be able to use that as leverage against him in trades. <laughs> Which is actually like hilarious when you think that. about it, and it's—I yeah. mean, honestly, it's pretty smart. But <laughs> I mean, Lou drafted Adam Henrique. He seems like his type of guy. They and could use a depth center. He's a really—he's a good player. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it makes a lot of sense. And they're looking to add a top six level winger slash center. And so I think that it's a really good ad for them. I think it would make a lot of sense. I think Lou is a guy that would appreciate Henrique and really want him to come in. And I think that the Ducks, if the Ducks retain half his salary, I think they could really make it work. And so, so what do they get from the Islanders? A first? I think. You do you think they could get a first? You, oh, you think they might not? Do you think they can for at retained half? I mean, what what's Adam Henrique's value? Just that's right now? I, well, that's the question. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. granted, there were a lot of guys like this, but he went on waivers and no one took him for free. Yeah, I mean, I think last year you can kind of throw that out the window, but. I I think at a minimum, let's go with the minimum. I think he gets you a second round pick. Um, yeah, 
The problem at, is at, at half retained. The problem is next year, the second round pick for the Islanders is the Avalanche, which is almost like a third round pick, assuming that they're going to be close to where they should be. Well, yeah, so, I would if you can get the fir- a first from the Islanders, because the, the Islanders pick will probably be in the twenties. So. Well, and here, well, here's the thing: I think the Islanders will be just fine next year. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at a contender potentially to trade for Adam and Rick, you send him at half retained salary. I think the Islanders are potentially a team if goaltending somehow goes awry for them that could fall apart. We say this every year, and it doesn't. We happen. do. We do. The thing with but, the Islanders is they have like the moves that they've made. I think that they want to, like they were close last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like they within one game of the Cup final. Yeah, exactly. So they they want to be loading up, and as the Ducks, can you find a way to get a first round pick out of them? That's that's the key, especially in a great draft class. Like another first round pick would be for Adam yeah. Greek, especially a guy with three years left on his on his contract. That would be huge. So yeah. so you so you're saying that Adam Henrique is done. Okay, so assuming Adam Henrique is out, still leaves you with five centers and five yeah. guys who are who all, you know, the, the organization has invested in them to all to some varying degree. Do you think Derek Grant gets moved? Well, it's just to me the the, the guy that I can't quite fit in this is Sam Steele because I think when I when I get it when I try to get into the mind of Dallas Akins, I think Derek Grant is absolutely in the lineup. Like he, but he wasn't locked in by the end of the season. Okay. He was starting to get scratched, right? That's true. But until Dallas Akins proves to me that true. he's just not going to go back to Derek Grant, I'm just That's assuming fair. that he's in. Fair. And then after that, I think that they really like Isaac Lundestrom, and I think he's earned that, to be honest. like He had a good season last year. Mm-hmm. You know Ryan Getzlaff's going to be in, and I don't think that they're going to go back to him on the wing. Uh, that just that just seems like a complete waste. Yeah. And then Trevor Zegras is a lock. So Sam Steele is the guy who I can't quite fit in there. And then do they put him on the wing? And and what does that look like? It just seems like there's a lot of questions about how this is gonna, how this forward group is gonna break down. So yeah, I I totally and completely agree. And I mean, and I don't know, and I don't know if it's a great mix either. No, and it's not as if there's a lot of times you can say with depth, having depth is a good problem. But the issue with this they is just it, have a lot of bodies. Yeah, it's it, it's a lot of like replacement level players, and it's like, I mean, honestly, I kind of think moving Sam Steele to the wing isn't the worst decision in the world. I'd be curious to see like a big like a like a ten to fifteen game sample of him on the wing. I, yeah, I see that, and then and, and then you can make a decision on him really, and maybe even put him with a guy like a Trevor Zegers and see what he can do, not having to essentially be the play driver on a line and being able to be a support. I don't I don't think that that's a good use of him, and I see your face right now, and I agree with that, <laughs> but it, it's just a thought. I think no, I don't want to see him next to Trevor Zegers. I think that you need sure. to stack the talent next to Zegers, but that's true. That's a fair point. Fair point. I think I think with him as a as a as a winger, assuming that he can hold his own defensively, he could be a fine you know maybe third line fourth line winger where hold up his end of the bargain defensively, and he's got this he's got some quickness, he's got some puck handling to where he can carry it into the zone, and you know get pucks into the slot or get some shots on net. Like he has that that skill set, hasn't really leveraged it enough in the NHL so far. But I think maybe as as a winger where he's got much less to think about defensively because you could just see it last year that he was overwhelmed defensively. Uh, I think that maybe he could thrive there, but for the ducks, you have to decide is, is that something that you want to invest in? Because by keeping him on the roster, you're basically saying we're okay with this guy taking up a spot and not just go sign a free agent. Who's probably better than him. Like you're, you're really choosing Sam Steele at that point to, to be a part of your lineup. So yep. we shall see. We yep. shall see. 
So break time. <laughs> yeah, I think it's time to have a word from our sponsor. So this episode is brought to you by Green Chef. So Green Chef lets you choose from a wide variety of easy to follow recipes, perfect for keto, paleo and plant powered diets, or even if you just want to eat in a more balanced way. Green Chef's expert chefs, uh, expert chefs design flavorful recipes that go way beyond ordinary for a diverse array of meal plans and plenty of options to choose from each week. It makes leading a healthier lifestyle easier than ever with satisfying home cooked dinners with options that work around your lifestyle, not the other way around. Everything is handpicked, featuring organic veggies and high-quality proteins delivered to your door, pre-measured, and mostly prepped in insulated packaging. Green Chef is the most sustainable meal kit, offsetting 100% of its direct carbon emissions and plastic packaging in every box, so you can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table. So, Felix, Green Chef has been kind enough to send us both a couple different boxes over the last little bit, right? Yeah. And their meals have been delicious. And I can sometimes be a bit of a picky eater from time to time. I sometimes go with uh, just the standard. And I'll tell you this. The Green Chef recipes are a little adventurous, but they're all amazing and all absolutely delicious. And my wife uh, has decided to put all the meals that we get into a binder. And I've mentioned this before. Wow. So that afterwards and basically it's perfect for for right now because i can just flip through them but (laughs) it gives you really well portioned out meals you can basically follow it super easily the the meal kit is so easy and they give you everything that you need i mean the last one i got had peanut chicken with udon noodles which is great pork sausages with mustard aioli by the way that was so good that uh my wife decided to go out and buy all of the ingredients again and try to make it ourselves wow. after the fact and fall <laughs> after the fact and follow it and there was also a pesto burger uh, a pesto burger it is it's so so good I mean what has been your favorite part yeah I mean I just love the fact that when they send you the box it has absolute like you don't need to put any thought into it everything is already portioned out the meat is ready to go you don't even actually have to freeze it so you could cook it that night. Um, and then, of course, you can throw the meat into the freezer if you want to hold on to it for the rest of the week. So it's just extremely convenient. And honestly, even though, like, you know, for the world is pretty much almost back to normal, there's still a lot of us working from home. And the temptation to do the Postmates DoorDash route is always there. And this helps us avoid that. So that's a win. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And so if you're trying to get uh, live a little bit of a healthier lifestyle after door dashing things too many times over the pandemic, uh, this is a great way to kind of get a kickstart there. So you can go to greenchef.com slash CTP100 and use code CTP100 to get $100 off, including free shipping. That is uh, greenchef.com slash CTP100 and use the code CTP100 to get $100 off and free shipping. Uh, Green Chef, the one, the number one meal kit for eating well. Yes, thank you, Green Chef. And thank you so ch- much. Go check that out. Okay, so moving on with the show here, it's been a it's been a roller coaster ride so far. Clayton Stoner references. I don't know. I don't know what to do with all of that. Uh, so now that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> we've we've covered the news of the week, and at this point, I think we've. We've touched on it a little bit, but just kind of the broader picture of, of the offseason and the fact that the Ducks have not done anything yet and that there, there were rumblings that the Ducks were going to have a, a bit of a changing of the guard, and we and we have not seen that yet. So what... By the way, can can we just very... I, th- I think it's something that's good to mention here. Did mm-hmm. you listen to the 31 Thoughts pod with the Eichel surgeon? No. Okay. 
Well, you're just absolutely shooting me down. I'm going to throw this on you right now. Everyone go listen to that. And I know we talk about that podcast a lot. It's one of the best out there, one of the most informative out there. And they essentially had on the personal surgeon that or the personal reference that Eichel has been using um, oh, wow. <laughs> to, to, yeah, it was 15 minutes, essentially explaining the difference between the two procedures. And I feel like in a lot of my mentions about Eichel, I get essentially people saying, um, uh, essentially neck. essentially saying the neck the neck he's damaged goods all this different type of stuff go listen to that episode i think that that probably will calm any sort of concerns that you have about the situation because it certainly did for me especially if the ducks traded for him and allowed him to get the disc replacement surgery and as compared to the fusion and so it's really informative obviously he's going to be a bit skewed because he's eichel's representation yeah. so mean, he's that, he's skewed towards like we, the we kind of have to note that down but the reason why is he's a he's performed that surgery multiple times and essentially they off the top of the show essentially say his credentials say why he likes this surgery and how he's used it in multiple different situations and basically gives the pros and cons of both different surgeries mm-hmm. and why Eichel is so frustrated because he's not allowed to essentially give the get the surgery that he wants and that seems like is the main reason why there's this fallout between Buffalo and Jack, Jack Eichel's camp. So for anyone out there that's been in yours or my mentions that has essentially said, uh, but what about the neck? What about the neck? Yeah. Go, go listen to that because It'll it seems be it, it seems as if he should be able to have a full recovery pretty simply with a disc replacement surgery if he gets that. So I guess my I guess I'll just cut to the chase. My assessment of the offseason so far is that the Ducks have done nothing of significance. They are kind of sitting on their hands. But that being said there are possible reasons why that is. And you talked about Jack Eichel. We know that the, that the ducks have been in on Jack Eichel, that they are a team that has taken a run at him. Yeah. And that situation is clearly in flux. Like those, that is a mess of a situation. And I think the ducks might be keeping some of their powder dry for that. Yeah. And I think the, what we're starting to see here with Eichel specifically is that a lot of the teams that were potentially in on him have moved on. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's the thing for the Ducks. They need to, I mean, again, we're not privy to all the details. We don't know exactly where things are at, but I think that they need to make a decision on this of, yeah, maybe they really do want Jack Eichel and, and maybe that they, they are willing to wait. But big picture for this franchise, getting Jack Eichel would be great and, and would I think it would help. And, of course, you have to consider the cost, but they need to – they just have to start moving on from other pieces – and, you know, trading a Josh Manson or trading a, an Adam Henrique or Ricard Raquel, I don't think that that takes you out of the running for Jack Eichel. You can have both here. And, well, and, and you I can trade that, those that, guys and use the asset. This is what I said. You can use the assets that you got mm-hmm. to actually get Eichel. Yeah, and I, I wrote about this in my article at the fourth period, and I was just basically like, it's it's just it's time. Like, they just have to move on. There, there's no more. The waiting around just doesn't make sense anymore because – Remember, back at the trade deadline, everyone was telling us, just wait for the draft. Just wait for the expansion draft. You're crazy for, for, for criticizing this team. You're crazy for not seeing that it's a weird financial landscape. But how could you possibly say that this was a screwed-up trade deadline? And then the draft rolls around. We see the one of the craziest trade markets that we've ever seen, and the Ducks don't do absolutely nothing. They, sta- they stand pat. So... Look, maybe it'll still happen. There's still plenty of time, but we're running out of runway here, and I, I need to see something. And I got people saying, oh, well, you just 
You just want them to do something for the sake of doing it. No, that's not at all what I'm saying. These are these are moves that have to be made. Making trade making trades just for the sake of making trades is what they've done when they've shuffled all their deck chairs. Yeah, Though, well, that's mean, not that that's flurry, that's flurry get, for Volkov or not no uh, sorry Moran Moran Volkov. for Volkov. Just these kind of bit moves that aren't really going to move the needle. That's making a move to just make a move. Exactly. And sure, you're taking a flyer and a guy in Volkov who maybe best case scenario becomes a second liner hasn't really shown that at all. But the point is they've they've procrastinated on making the moves that are actually going to change the course of this franchise's history. The ones that are going to get them closer to where they want to be, which I think where they want to be is it is a competitive, you know, contending playoff team with Trevor Zegris leading leading the way. And they're just they're they're holding themselves back right now. How bad is it going to look if the Ducks stand pat? If they don't do anything? If they run it back with the same roster and the Kings are in the playoffs? Just wait till next off. Just wait till next. No, off no, but but I'm genuinely like curious because like I, I guarantee you the Samuels have probably been sold on on this rebuild or whatever they're calling it is ending soon. And the the closest comparison is the one right up the five from from Honda Center and the the Kings and the Kings are starting to go for it. And while maybe some of their contracts are not going to be the best, it's a little long for Dano and things like that. But they've been able to accumulate all the assets by moving out the guys. They've been able to do that and now kind of bring in guys in addition to what they have. And maybe it's not the smartest thing in the world. But they have the assets to do it, and they have the assets to make so that work now. Do you think the? I mean, I actually am not convinced that the Kings are a playoff team next season. I think they're a playoff team potentially because the Pacific is trash. Yeah, I, I think that they're in the mix. Like, if things break right for them, if if they don't get too much age-related decline from Kopitar, from Brown, from some of their older guys, and they just they their prospects take a or their younger guys take a step forward, then yeah, there is maybe a case that they're in the playoffs, but. Their blue line to me still looks really rough. Yeah, I mean, I mean they That's brought in fair. Alex Edler, who's thirty-five. That's who fair. His better days are behind him. Drew Doughty. I don't know if you Drew Doughty's really, bad. No, I, you're making you're making a good point. Holy Mata, like you just look at their blue line and it's really nothing to write home about. I think that That's their fair. forward their forwards are interesting, and you know, in net Cal Peterson is great, but I'm not ready to say. But to your point though, let's say that the Kings do make the playoffs. That would mean that what they've done so far has worked. And what they've done so far is what the Ducks have refused to do, which is to actually rebuild the damn thing. And so, yeah, it would look really bad because what the what the Kings have done isn't some magic formula. It's actually pretty repeatable. And, yeah, there's always luck involved, but the Ducks have this at their disposal, and they've routinely said no to it. Yeah. Let me ask you this. This is something I'm now looking at when I'm kind of on the Ducks cap friendly page because now we're just we're just full on vamping, full on going for it right now. Mm-hmm. Just just looking at it. So the Ducks only have one player uh, on their roster as of right now per cap friendly. Now, granted, um, uh, Trevor Zegers and Jimmy Drys will be part of this, but I doubt that they really will actually utilize this. But they only have one player outside of those two that's waiver exempt, and that's Max Comtois. And I don't expect him to be sent down at all. Do the Ducks lose one of Jones, Steele, Volkov, um, Milano, one of these guys to waivers this year? It's possible. Which I mean, which then lost, which then make which waivers, and I don't which, think they wanted that to happen. Which then makes losing Flurry to to Seattle even like more ridiculous. The fact that essentially you were going to lose one of these guys anyways off of waivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, it's going to be really interesting to see because those none are steel Jones, Lundestrom, there's no Volkov taxi squad next year. There's so. no taxi squad. And, but they're all not wait or they're all waiver eligible. You also have guys like Josh Mahura now waiver eligible. 
Well, so, the, the Josh Mahara situation is going to be interesting because is he going to be the seventh D? Like, what are they going to do with him? Um, you know, is Cody Curran going to get up? I mean, right now there's just there's a lot of balls in the air for this team, and I'm not really sure if the team itself has a handle on where they're going to yeah. land. And now I just remembered where the point I was making in the first place uh, with uh, Jack Eichel. A lot of the teams that were in on him now have kind of made all their moves and don't necessarily have the cap space for him. Well, Minnesota and, is the team that a lot of people are saying. But is, I think that haven't they gone out and they've re, and they still have to sign their guys. So I don't think that they can make that deal now that they've made they've uh, made their their offseason moves and then they signed Kaprizov and then they signed Fiala. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, what, and and Fiala was they he just filed for or was that a team filing for arbitration? Team team filing for arbitration. Yeah. So it it will be interesting. Maybe the market has dried up and maybe that will benefit the Ducks and maybe they swoop in and get uh and get Jack Eichel at a discount. It's totally possible because the way that the Sabres have played this and the and the, just all the discord that's popping up from that situation, it seems like it's possible, but I don't I don't know. I mean, someone asked in the chat which I I'd have to scroll the way up to find it, but you know, who's untouchable in a uh in a Jack Eichel trade. I think it was George. Yeah, and in my opinion, the only untouchable is Trevor Zegers. You know, it would it would be very unfortunate to lose Jamie Drysdale. He's a you know fantastic prospect on the back end, but I just think that if your choice is keep Jamie Drysdale or get Jack Eichel, I think that I would take Jack Eichel because I think that he gets the Ducks to contention far quicker, and they can fill the the, the it's easier to fill a void like that on the back end. You can't just manufacture top end talent the way that they the way that that would look with Zegers and Eichel down the middle. So you and I disagree. So I disagree somewhat on that. I think I'm more willing to move Drysdale than Zegers, but I would put Zegers is completely untouchable. I I would say I would put Drysdale in my untouchables also mainly because I don't see anyone of that same ilk coming through the duck system. I think that you're probably right that you can find some game changing talent out there that maybe might be a bit underappreciated on the blue line, Mm -hmm. and maybe that that's what you're kind of going for, but. I would say that the Ducks have that type of talent on the blue line, and so you don't you want to make this deal without moving Drysdale or Zegras. I'd be more than willing to move uh, Mason McTavish. Ooh, see, I that would not that would be one I'd also be kind of scared to move. But one of the big one of the big mistakes I think when teams are going about this is overvaluing their prospects. Yes, completely. And, and Jack Eichel is already a stud first line center in the NHL. So from that perspective, for me, it's very palatable I mean, to move a Jamie Drysdale because as great as he is, his impact probably won't get to what Jack Jack Eichel is right now. And Trevor Zegers is the only one that I'm confident enough is going to be a first-line center, is going to be an impact player, is going to be close to Jack Eichel. And the other thing is if you move Trevor Zegers to get Eichel, you're kind of losing the advantage you would get of bringing him in. You want that one-two punch down the middle. You want to put yourself in a much better position. And if you're moving out Zegris just to get Eichel, now you're kind of tying yourself, you're really tying yourself to Eichel's prime because now you got to basically become the Sabres and build solely around him. Whereas with Zegris and Eichel, you kind of have those dueling uh, timelines and it becomes mo- more wide open, more flexible for you. So Yeah. Um, I-, I guess my my thing there with, with McTavish is, I guess my thought process is basically you would have Eichel come in and he's better than what McTavish could yes. be. Yes. And so and that's, that's, that's really it there. That's fair. I mean, I'd be more willing to move Drysdale than McTavish. Yeah. So, All right. Questions? 
we can get into yeah, some see. questions, wrap this up. Yeah, so, wrap this up. or you have anything else you want to touch on? No, no, that's good. All right. So for, for those of you watching on YouTube, yes, we do the show each and every week, or we post this uh, show on youtube.com slash crash the pond, where if you want to help support the show, subscribe there, like the videos, comments, everything like that helps, uh, put us a little bit further up in YouTube uh, or li- uh, listening on your favorite podcast services. We do a live stream of the show each and every time Mondays, Mondays now everyone at 8 PM um, at twitch.tv slash crash bond, where you can help support the show in a way that is completely free to you. If you have Amazon prime, you can support the show with a Twitch uh, uh, gaming prime sub uh, subscription. You get, uh, you do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days. You get special emotes in the chat, special badges next to your name. So we got this question from our good friend George said, with uh, being his last season as general manager, has Bob Murray checked out? Uh, no, I think that he's, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but based on what I've seen from him publicly and just kind of what we've seen the Ducks do, I think that they're still engaged, but... I mean, has Bomberi been checked out the last three years is the better question because what have the Ducks really done except kind of get in the fast track to nowhere? So, I don't know. Don't have a great answer for you. Yeah. Um, NJ Devils fan 68, always good for a good wrestling question for me, and I love it. Thoughts about Jericho versus Gage? So, I don't know if you know this, but Nick Gage, big deathmatch wrestler, was brought into AEW for a one-off, and it was... It was good. It was a really good match. I'm not a big deathmatch guy, but oh my, they went for it. And while they kind of held up on some things, they definitely go. It, if you watch the Cardona versus uh, Gage fight, then this definitely wasn't up to that standard. But for something on national television, this was kind of insane. And I love the story they're telling with Chris Jericho. This seems to me like potentially his retirement tour. He's kind of doing all different types of stuff, all weird things, um, eventually leading to the final match where he's going to do the job for MJF. And it feels like that with Juventud Guerrero on Wednesday. And it was great. And I love the storytelling. It's just AEW just on a great roll right now. If you're interested in wrestling or want to get interested in it, go watch AEW. Any thoughts, Felix? I I don't want to get interested in it. Okay. All right. (laughs) Fine. Fine. Um, The Hardcore Luchador brings up a good point saying uh, you definitely should move McTavish. If you were willing to uh, trade the number third overall pick or number three pick, then you should be willing to move him. Defend the Nest said uh, with Bouchard potentially taking over midseason or next season. uh, I guess this is more for Felix. What players do you see him targeting as trying to get and bring to the Ducks from his days in Montreal? Ooh. That's actually a good question, which I don't have a great answer for right now. But what I know about uh, Bouchard is that he was in his time with Laval is that he was big on kind of trying to just get the most that he possibly could to get the two points. And that wasn't always necessarily the best thing for development, but he was really hard on guys. And so I could see like I know he was really high on Lucas Vademo. So maybe that's a guy that they bring over. And obviously everyone who's been through the canadian system loves matthias norlander so maybe that's another guy but i don't really know that's a good question i mean who knows who knows if bouchard even ends up being the coach for the ducks that's another that's another wide open question yeah db lowry 3507 said question favorite olympics moments so far Ooh, has and to he the- said he, wait, wait wait and he said really excited to see the u.s woman win gold for the first time in foil sorry my twitch chat's really foil? weird i don't know what's happened uh-huh. i think it's foil i think it's uh yeah, like yeah, yeah 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 there you go Fencing. Yeah, I used to I used to be a fencer, Jake. Little known fact about me. But um, 
and I did foil. So there you go. But uh, favorite moment so far has been the gold medal game for women's doubles in badminton. I watched that last night. Indonesia versus China, and it was a spirited contest. Indonesia pulled it out. They played fantastic, and it was great to see. So I'm going to go with that. There you go. I am surprised. <laughs> I mean, I've, I haven't watched a ton of Olympics, but it was a it was a good one. I'm well, no, surprised. I'm surprised because you were saying before the show you're wearing a Team Canada rugby jersey right now. Well, so I didn't actually watch the the Canadian women's national team topple USA in soccer because the match was at 1 a.m. So I, I can't claim that because I wasn't actually watching it live. But yes, another great moment. Canada just ending the USA's uh, reign of terror uh, at the women's soccer international level i feel like the u.s women didn't make the gold medal game last olympics also i feel like they lost to sweden in the the semifinals i could be wrong there but uh my favorite olympic moment so far as i'm trying to stop salem from jumping up behind my monitor but uh has been i mean i've actually i've watched a decent amount of everything i think watching the men's water polo game has has been been my favorite even though they haven't been that great but their game against Italy was a back-and-forth game. Yes, they ended up losing. It was group stage. But it was a really fun game to watch, and it really brought me back. So, And now I have Salem behind my monitor as she's <laughs> trying to be annoying. Um, here's a question for Ginger, from Ginger Wolf, and then I'm going to mute my mic to get her out back, or out from there. Uh says, if Delores is supposed to uh, get a first to fix a team's Tom Wilson problem, what would Good Pranson have gotten and wasn't mus- a mistake to move on from him? Uh... I, I don't know. I don't know. I've got nothing for you there. But I think that, you know, a lot of people are, I mean, I've seen people say on Twitter that, oh, look, the Ducks haven't moved on from Delorier. It was such a mistake to protect him. And I think since we've done this podcast and we've done the expansion draft breakdown, I really think that the reason that the, the Ducks went 7-3 was just to be able to protect both of Jones and Steele. Oh, yeah. And Deloria was just kind of a fill-in. I don't. It, think it was really like the, la- the last one where they protected Vermette, and it was just like they yeah, did it because. he was just a throw-in, which, I mean, arguably was the wrong throw-in, but regardless, I think they probably had intel that Florio was going to be the one to go if they went that route. Um, and they thought maybe they could get Deloria over to the Rangers. Ultimately, they went with Ryan Reeves. Uh, but, yeah, I mean... <laughs> That narrative isn't looking too great right now. Apathy Duck with an interesting question that I think you and I both have uh, some thoughts on. Are we too hard on Murray? He doesn't spend because he doesn't spend dumb money in free agency, and the Ducks now have the second highest rated prospect pool without making the moves we think are necessary. I'm asking this as part of the Fire Murray camp. Are we too hard on Bob Murray? I think that we are appropriately hard on Bob Murray. I think that the last especially two years have been really bad and almost nothing has gone right. Have there been these catastrophic moves, bad signings? No, but that's actually the, so what, how he falls short is the opposite, which is the inaction and the actions that he has taken have just been so minimal. So, you know, just uninspired with these shuffling of the deck chairs move that that's where he falls short. Um, I think we're appropriately hard on him. I mean, look at where this team is. Uh, they're, they're, they're they, they brought back the same roster three years in a row that yeah, has finished 27th, like, like 29th, how... and 30th. And here's yeah. here's the thing. If you want to come out and say, okay, but that's them finishing that late has gotten them the second best prospects pool. Sure, I'd agree with that. And I think that that's a good way to go about it. The issue is, is that it's never been his intent. Yeah, exactly. They, they haven't been... 
they haven't been getting these high draft picks out of some, you know, because it, of it's some not, it's not like strategy. he's built. It's not like he's Bill Z Bill Z or Bill Armstrong, right? The they've, they've been trying yeah. to make the playoffs. They've been I mean, trying to make rem, playoffs. Rec- recall the Kevin Shattenkirk interview. Exactly. So that's my thing. I can't give him, I can't really give him a ton of credit for the draft. Um, they've done well there and, and some credit must be given, but I just, I, I used to be on that kind of side of the equation, especially I would say in year one of this big downfall, you know, you're the, the last, uh, I guess would have been, yeah, the last Randy Carlisle year. But I think since then things have spun out so badly that you can't, it's hard to not. Oh, the last hard, Randy, the last Randy Carlisle year was bad. It was bad. That was the butt speed year. That Yeah. There, it was just Jason Chimera. They had made the playoffs the year before, and yes, they got swept. But at, there was at least some recent history that you Chris could Kelly of six. Yeah, I mean, now you're just giving whiplash. But I'm just saying <laughs> there was at least recent quote unquote success that you could point to. Now there's just, that, that's well in the rearview mirror. Uh, Chris Kindred asked question two parts. What are the chances that the Ducks come bottom three? And if they won the lottery in 2022 and pick Shane Wright, who out of him, Zegers and McTavish makes the most sense to move to the wing in the long term? I think Shane Wright's primarily a winger, isn't he? Uh, I I haven't done my research fully yet. I just know the top end of the the 2022 picks. But what do you think are the chances the Ducks end up in the bottom three? Oh, I think they're they're significant. I think look at it this way: this roster was one of the worst in the league last year, and so far they've changed nothing. And a lot of the pieces that they're banking on to kind of get them out of the hole, like some of these veterans statistically are probably going to be getting worse. Also Shane Wright's listed as a center. Okay. Um, so apologies yeah, there. I, and you know, you look at like, for example, Jay fresh posting his, his uh, war roster projections or the standings projections and the ducks are projected to finish near the bottom or at the bottom of the Pacific. And that's a bad division. So there's a scenario where the ducks are better, where Trevor Zegers becomes a star, where Jamie Drysdale takes a step forward, where Contois, Terry, all those guys continue to progress where John Gibson just isn't, you know, a tire fire in net anymore. But, and you also need health. Like, a lot of things have to go right for this team. And, and this is the kind of case that we've been making at the beginning of each season the last three years, and it hasn't happened. And I'm starting to think it might just never happen. So the chances are real. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. If you end up getting Shane Wright out of this disaster the last three years, then that's a, that's a fine outcome. And then you have, to the question, Zegris, McTavish, Right. I mean, I don't know. Do you have to move any of them to the wing? Why can't McTavish just be the third line center, a premier third line center? And then or maybe you move him to the wing. Maybe he's that kind of puck hound who can be a, a, a shot kind of finisher. Next and what to if he's egress? What There's if you options. have Eichel in that mix also? Well, you don't want Eichel. So do what? what? You're well, you're unwilling. So, huh? <laughs> I'm not. Uh, let's end with these two questions. Hardcore Luch said, would you move Raquel for a second and an aging contract uh, like, say, Phil Kessel? I feel like that would not be full value. No. And if you're taking on an aging contract, you better get an uh, additional. Yeah, because basically at that point. The, you're taking you're... negative value. Exactly. So you should have an additional pick. Yeah. It should be a first to second. I, I, think, there, I, think, there's, I think there is this thing that people. There's two things I, I see a lot that I think people miss on Twitter. No, but just common misconceptions is not understanding positive trade value properly with positive and negative value in in terms of your cap hit, because your cap really 
uh, sets what your trade value will be, yeah. both positive and negative, because of how valuable cap space is. And yeah. so there is a big thing of negative cap value or negative trade value due to your cap. It. The other thing I see missed a lot is RF buying out buying RFA years in a contract versus UFA years in a contract. Mm-hmm. And people not understanding how this guy got this much and then this guy got less. It's RFA yeah. versus... Sorry. Complete side note, but it was just two things that I commonly see misunderstood. Yeah. Uh, M. Young saying, question, with the tar available, or still available, would you guys be opposed to the Ducks signing him to a fair deal? And do you think he could be a good signing? Well, if the Ducks were good and the Ducks were, you know, were, were in that stage of their process where they're going to be shooting for a playoff spot where now it makes sense to push to the playoffs then yeah Tomas Tatar would be a great addition but he is not that or or sorry they are not there and so I just don't think it makes sense for them to bring him in yeah and I mean it's projected per uh, evolving hockey he's going to get three years at 5.2 mil uh, as a 30 year old if that could be a terrible uh, contract yeah the three years is is nice yeah, and by the way, real quick, sorry, I'm I'm scrolling through the the chat uh, right now, um, and hey, yo, Dflow saying that Jay Fresh's war projections don't include pending RFA's. I've actually asked; they do include pending RFA's. Yeah. So that's 71 points does actually include um, all of those those pending RFA's that the Ducks still st- uh, still do need to sign. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna see uh, what happens there. Okay. Any other questions? Oh. Uh, this one's just for me. NJ Devils fan 68. I saw him saying I was waiting for his question. I wasn't waiting for it. I just didn't see it yet. Uh, does CM Punk show up when AEW goes to Chicago? Yes. There's no way you call it the first dance. There's no way you have, uh, Darby Allen say he's calling out the best in the world. There's no way you focus on the crowd chanting CM Punk. If, and there's no way you go to the United center that Felix, they sold out the United center. You realize how big that is, right? Where the Blackhawks play? Well, yeah, it's like twenty five thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A- it's twenty thousand. AEW sold it out in one in like a day. Is that because supposed to be impressive? It's very impressive for a wrestling company, especially one that has only been around for two years. And you don't do that and have all of this hype if you're not going to have CM Punk there. I do think they are going to swerve us heavy and have Daniel Bryan be the best in the world, and then CM Punk come out later. Very similar to when Brody Lee came out and everyone thought it was going to be Matt Hardy, and Matt Hardy debuted later. So I think they will swerve us. I just love listening to Jake talk about wrestling because I don't don't know at all what he's saying, but I love the energy. I love the energy. It's great. Yeah. So I think that's probably going to do it for us tonight. Uh, You have anything else? No, I mean, I am just very curious what's going to happen. You know, we've been sold a bill of goods that this is the summer where, where things change. And, and they haven't so far. And, and maybe we're being impatient. Maybe we are jumping the gun. But I don't think we've said anything crazy. I don't think we're being unreasonable. So, yep. as we said last week, we'll see in the next in the next bit until the next show what will happen. And maybe this will all change. But, ooh. Let's end with this question. This is a good one to end on. Yeah. To to end not end on my my fun AEW talk. Uh, George asks, "Is Miller Lite a good post hockey beer?" Honestly, I'm at the point where any post game beer is good. That that's the incorrect answer. I had a Miller High Life after my roller game on Friday. No, that's and the it, incorrect it, answer. It went down smooth. I'm gonna say yes. It's it Modelo. Modelo is good too, but the question isn't the question isn't is Miller Lite the best? Ooh. 
Do you want to have one more hockey question, or you want to just end it? Because we got one from M. Young that's M. Young that's kind of interesting. Uh, okay. I also wanted to get your guys' opinion if you could. When Grubauer signed with Seattle and Avs then scrambled for a goalie, do you think the Ducks should have pounced? And with the trade proposal of Gibson for Newhook, first Timmins and Comfer, so. Yeah, do you think that that was the the window for the Ducks? That yes. They should have made this big offer. Do you think yes. Gibson gets you that haul? I don't know if he gets you that haul. I think he can get you Newhook and Timmins. Yeah, I feel like Newhook first and Timmins is almost impossible. Yeah. Um, but Newhook in a first, Timmins in a first, I mean, that's possible. I mean, I it's funny because we fixated a lot on, on Lindholm and Raquel and Silverberg you know, or, or Henrik, all these guys for as or Manson as guys to be moved out. But I, we kind of have stopped mentioning Gibson's name. We haven't really, dis- but I think he's fully in play as well. Like if you're going to go down this rebuild path, you should probably move out a goalie who could just go crazy one year and, and prevent the rebuild. And also, yeah, maybe he could get you a premium package like that, that, that M young is referring to. So should they have pounced? I don't know. I mean, the route that they went with, uh, would they, would they get Darcy Kemper? Yeah, who's on a one-year deal. Yeah, I feel like that's they probably just didn't want to commit to anyone and that yeah. was kind of like a good short-term solution. So maybe the maybe Gibson just wasn't an option for them. They just weren't looking to Gibson, who knows. Um but who knows anything with the Ducks these days. Yep. So, brief schedule update for everyone. As you know, we're now kind of hitting the off-season mode, not really a whole lot of news. So, unless the only thing I'll add here, unless there's breaking news that happens big trade like, a bit that, like an eichel trade an eichel trade things like that here's the current schedule is that we are going to have uh and we will still be doing our two pod two patreon episodes and we'll figure out times for those but august 16th will be our next episode so two weeks from today and that will be our last episode actually for the month and so unless there's big news that comes out we're actually going to take a little bit of a break for about uh we're going to take three weeks off and we will be back on September. We'll be August sixteenth, and then back on September thirteenth. After that, uh, barring big news, big trade. So little little PTO, little little PTO little, little summer break for us. You know, we we do our best to provide you all great content here, putting a lot of time. But I mean, the summer shows are tough. They're tough for content, tough for information. So uh, if there's something that breaks, we will be here. We'll do a uh, breaking episode, something like that. But we're going to take some time to get refreshed. Felix is going to take some time to focus on uh, on studying here and getting yeah. uh, his test done. Yeah, so there, there's a lot right now. And I think that this is a good time to take a, a pause just because it's the time of year where there's the least happening. And, I mean, we'll probably have RFA contracts to talk about at, one, at some point, maybe a trade or two. Who knows? But I think that, yeah, for now, we'll, it, it, it'll be kind of touch and go. If something big happens we'll 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 get behind the mic and and get you the content if if need be but that is that is yep. the plan so august 16th and then a three-week break yep so on that note i think it's time to wrap up so yeah if, you, if you've been enjoying our show uh there are a few different ways to support us to help keep this thing going i mean we are what are we now? Four years strong, almost, or we're we're going to be on four years? We, I don't we, even know. I don't, do, do the years no- count anymore because of the pandemic? <laughs> well, we started November 2017, I think. It so, would have been yeah, the so 17, 18 season. We're going into our we're going to our fourth season or, or 
fifth season, whatever. It, it's been a while. It's been a while. And we're trying to keep this going at all costs because we love doing this and we, we have, love interacting we, we with you fun. guys. Yeah, we built a fun community and I'm at the point now where I want to like I want to get to the point where I can be doing this podcast with a good team to talk about again. And I don't oh. know how long that's going to take. Oh. So help us get there. A few ways that you can do that. Um, probably the best one is check out our Patreon page. Jake already talked about it. Patreon.com slash Crash the Pond. A couple of different ways that you can support us there. $1 pledge a month gets you access to our patrons-only Discord chat, which is a ton of fun. You get to connect with awesome hardcore Ducks fans. People are just there to have a good time. It's super constructive, super positive which is rare these days on the internet. So I highly recommend that for $5 a month, still get access to the chat. You also get access to two bonus episodes. So we go more in depth on the ducks league wide topics. We'll do rankings awards. And uh, if you are in the chat, you can also give us uh, topic recommendations, which we will get to on the show. And then in season, we have a $15 tier where we do two broadcasts of ducks games a month. So if you want a little something different, on the on your you know your ducks broadcasting experience you can get us to behind the on the play call essentially giving you some more stats giving you just a different feel you know with maybe maybe some kidding around some bsing around that that may or may not be part of it especially when Derek grant is getting offensive zone face-offs instead of uh, trevor zegers there were there were some epic meltdowns during the the initial zegers call-up days uh, so that's all at patreon.com slash crash the pond uh another way that you can check us out and support us that's totally free uh you can just search for uh crash the pond on apple Podcasts. leave us a rating there and a review and we will read it on the show no new reviews this week but hopefully by the time we record again in a couple weeks we will have some new reviews to talk about um outside of that we are on spotify or wherever you can get your podcast we're also on youtube youtube.com slash crash the pond i subscribe there make sure to have the notifications turned on jake will upload the video feed the twitch feed of the show you can see all the charts you can see salem the black cat just he was just on camera jake. that hurt <laughs> that was a claw into my shoulder <laughs> so you can see that jake's struggling through it you can see my cool attire canada rugby jersey um i think i'm outclassing you today actually i think yeah. i win i think i win the attire battle the, I, uh, the first and only time it's definitely the first time that's okay though um, oh, I do want to say this. The the Patreon Discord, by the way, if you want to have our thoughts on kind of everything and be able to discuss all of this with us, the $1 tier is a great way to do that. So if you want yep. to be able to kind of do that with us, uh, even if we're not going to be doing the pods as regularly over the next month, that's yeah. an easy way to connect with us, get our thoughts, have some fun, and it's just a fun community in addition to that. Yep, it's definitely the best. Um, and then outside of that, check out our website, crashthepond.com. We have articles going up there when news drops and just kind of give you that instant feedback. And then we also have a shop there, crashthepond.com slash shop. So, if, I mean, that's another great way to support us, honestly. You can get yourself some T-shirts. So for these hot summer days in Southern California uh, or wherever you are in the world, uh, you can grab that. We have Eggplant and Jade logo to support the past. We have the orange logo as well. And we have hoodies. So in case you're where it's somewhere cold or you're just getting out ahead of it for wintertime, uh, get yourself a hoodie there. That's all at crashthepond.com slash shop. Crash the Pond is also on Twitter at Crash the Pond and on Facebook. Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91. And I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. So that will do it for us tonight, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Wishing you a great month of August. It is uh, August 2nd today. So we, we just started, really. Hopefully it goes great for you. 
and we will talk to you at the next show. Bye.